Hello and welcome to the Your Life Choices podcast. I'm John Deeks and today we welcome back the multi-award winning and multi-published Australian psychologist Peter Quarry. You might have seen his articles in the Australian Financial Review. You might have read his book, If I Were You. How long did it take you to write that book? Um, about a year and a half, John. Now, you're about to head off on a, on a sojourn. Um, you, you don't feel like writing another book? And if, it, if you did write another book and you, you have thought of many subjects you could do, what would it be about? Look, the, real, the absolute shocking hard reality is that I'd love to write another book. I, I haven't landed on a topic that keeps me excited for longer than 48 hours. Fabulous people you've met. Well, as I say, I'm not, when I, I meet I, one, I, I'll tell you. <laughs> when I meet one, that's right. Oh, thank um, you. Look, uh, I, so I haven't really. I, I just can't come up with a, a, another topic, and I'm a great believer of not pushing things. You know, if it if it's not happening, back off, do something else, and then maybe something will come. But look, fortunately, I've got. I, I, I seem to be writing some articles that are getting picked up by um, newspapers like the Australian Financial Review, which is very exciting. Yeah, and I'm also um, producing a new batch of training videos with a very long-time collaborator of mine, a woman called Eve Ash, who has a company called Seven Dimensions here in Australia. Okay. Um, this, this is the corporate education market. So think, you know, leadership. Do you need an, an announcer? I am, in fact, I am the on-screen uh, uh, presenter. So okay. sorry about that. Uh, uh, but, well, you know. Always trying. Always thank trying. you. And you, look, you've got to put it out there, John. I'm a great believer. So I, I'm going to be writing a lot of scripts um, while I'm away for that. So uh, even though I'm going away, I'm going to be doing some writing work, which is great. Even though you're going to be away, you'll still be in contact with uh, emails. You'll still be oh, in yes, contact with the, with the phone. You'll still be, look to me, on the, with the phone. We've In our lives, we have never been more connected. Know, we I have know. so many many platforms we connect yet today we're talking about loneliness yet we've never been more connected it's weird it's a paradox isn't it look loneliness is a huge a paradox that's the word. It, it's i know that's why i used it it's a huge problem the surgeon general in the united states who is the top yeah. medical officer in america not so recently ago actually named loneliness as a public health emergency. And in fact, he I think he gave a press conference, he actually talked about his own loneliness, that he had experienced loneliness. And if you think about it, look, you know, we are very social beings. We, you know, we like to make connections. We like to confide in others. We like to have a feeling of belonging. We like to get support when things are, when times are tough. We like to have fun. So, you know, Having connections is important, but for a lot of people, it would seem that loneliness is a, is a real problem, and particularly among older people. I mean, there is, for example, some uh, research that shows that in over 50s, loneliness, the experience of loneliness, has increased by nearly 50% in the last 10 years. Why? Oh, well, you know, there's all sorts of reasons. I wonder whether all the, the, the connections that you talked about, I mean, you know, we but might... they sterile, we, we, those connections. Right, that's right. I mean, they're not just, inter interhuman. Just because we are with people doesn't mean we're not lonely. In fact, I'd like to come on in a moment to talk about the different types of loneliness because I think it's not, not a case of one size fits all. But before we do that, I, I want to just talk a little bit about why loneliness is such a problem because there's been a lot of research that's shown the effects of loneliness on health. For example, loneliness is likely to increase your risk of death by 26%. 
Isn't that extraordinary? I mean, loneliness. And, and, and do you know what? I'm sure there's a correlation between the experience I've done with, with children who have not been held from, from birth, who have not been held, have not been uh, uh, nurtured, nurtured yes. and they actually do do fade away. That's right. That's right. Um, As I mean, humans, we need that. That's right. We need, we need that connection. I mean, apparently, once again, research that's been done has shown that loneliness and poor social connections are as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And, you know, and when you think about all the thing about cigarette smoking, loneliness is worse for you than obesity and loneliness is associated with an increased risk of developing coronary heart disease and stroke. So it's, it, you know, no wonder the Surgeon General listed it as a public health emergency. It seems to be getting worse. Why? And the effects are, well, I think there's, I th- look, I came across a really interesting article written by a woman called Gretchen Rubin, and she listed the seven different types of loneliness. And I think if we go through those, that might explain the why a little bit, because I think there's a number of different reasons. But also it might give some help to what you can do about it, because depending on the type of loneliness that you feel, maybe there's different things that you need to do about it. So shall we go through the seven? Absolutely. Okay. So the first one that Ruben talked about is what she called new situation loneliness. And this is, for example, where you've, you've maybe moved to a new area and you don't know anyone. So it's a kind of a new situation. So that's one type of loneliness. And you can imagine, you know, so a person may not have been lonely. They may have had wonderful, strong social life and strong social, but they've moved somewhere else. Something has happened and all of a sudden they're experiencing loneliness possibly for the first time in their life. Now, what do you do in that situation? Well, I would say you join local organisations, such Correct. as a Probus. Uh, a lot of our listeners will be part of Probus, etc. Yes. Um, look, joining community uh, organisations, getting out and getting involved. If you're involved in the church, you go go to church groups. Yep. If you like bowling, you go to bowling. If exactly. Don't just sit there going, why doesn't the phone ring? Exactly. Um, the other thing, though, uh, I agree with all of that. I think the other thing is... You've got to reach out. You've got to talk to people. Now, my, I talk to people all the time. I mean, I talk to people on the tram. I talk to people in the supermarket. My, in fact, my dear spouse says to me, why do you talk to people? And I don't know why I talk. I, just I like, know why, because you're like me. My mother would talk to everybody, and I'm the same. Is that so? Yeah, she would talk to anybody. Say, Hello, dear. That's a lovely top well, you're that's wearing. Right. That's and so right. I now do it. So I'm basically, the older I get, the more I'm becoming my mother. Uh, no comment. Um, Mrs. Look, Doubtfire said me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, I have made lots of friends simply by... I'd be a great patient. Sim- <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh, I think I'll change career. Um, uh, look, um, I, I think the issue about reaching out and making contact with people is something that's really interesting because a lot of people fear it because they think, oh, they won't want to hear what I've got to say. And, in fact, there's been some very interesting research that shows that people believe that what they are going to say when they reach out to somebody might be perceived as boring or uninteresting, whereas, in fact, if you ask the other person, they find it really interesting. So we often inhibit ourselves by giving ourselves these kind of negative messages that I'm not that interesting, I've got nothing to say, I've got nothing to contribute, I've got no opinions that are worthwhile. I mean, you've, you've got to get rid of that thinking and realise that you are interesting, you do have something to say, and reach out to people, and that's a good way to, uh, to make contact. 
Now, the second type of loneliness that Ruben talked about is she called I'm different loneliness. And this is where you feel different from the other people um, kind of in your orbit. You know, maybe they like doing, I don't know, outdoor activities and you're more of an indoors type of person or maybe they like going to films and you don't so you've got a lot of people around you but you feel lonely because you you feel different from everybody else now i think that's a really interesting one because the temptation there is to beat yourself up you know oh people don't like me because and you get stuck in that loop whereas i think you maybe you know maybe it's time for you to start pursuing an interest that other people do have, uh, you know, so so that you can develop more contacts with other people. A lot of people are shy. I remember the first experience I ever had uh, seeing somebody who was shy was in state school way back in the day and uh, there was a girl there who everyone thought was very stuck up and a snob and, in fact, she was just very shy. Yeah. It, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, so, it's, it's interesting how you can misread people. Absolutely. You know, um, so a third type of loneliness that Ruben talked about is what she called no sweetheart loneliness. So this might be you've got lots of family and friends, but you feel lonely because you haven't got that intimate slash romantic partner. Now, obviously, that's requiring a different sort of strategy again. And, you know, I'm a great believer in flirting. You know, and I don't think at any age you should lose the ability to flirt with other people. I mean, appropriately, of course. And I suggest to people, you know, don't give up on, you know, because people seem to get past a certain age and it's like they hang up their romantic self, you know, on the coat rack at the front oh, door. Oh, that's behind me now. That's behind, oh, I'm too old. No, I say to you, no, you're never too old. No, no, seriously, I mean, you're laughing. I don't care. I don't, true. No, I know you agree. Absolutely I know you do agree. True. I'm very old. Yeah, well, uh, and so am I. And, uh, you know, I love to have a flirt. It doesn't mean anything. And that's the way you meet potential romantic partners, by being out and putting out there. And I even suggest to people, no matter what age, think about online dating. You know, I know a lot of people who have met romantic partners in their 60s and beyond. One example, a friend of mine, she's in her late 60s, like me, and her partner is in his early 70s, like you, and they met online and they are the happiest couple. They describe each other. I mean, both have had previous relationships and children and what have you. They describe each other as the loves of each other's lives. Oh, Seriously, I'm not, yeah. I'm not joking. I'm not making that up. God's honour. Now, if they can do it, anyone can do it. I think you should start a dating service. Do you know? Do you know? I thought about that when I was in my early twenties. I mean, long before the internet started. Anyway, <laughs> that's a whole. That's a topic for another, <laughs> another, another day. Um, a fourth type of loneliness is no animal loneliness, mm. and you know the answer to that is. Get a pet. Now, I, when I was working on 3AW overnights, uh, I'd have a lot of folks who were very lonely ringing up and um, we bet. were terrific comfort to a lot of people who, who, who were lonely. And those who had lost pets, and I would say, look, you know, do your grief and then go out and get another pet. Yes. And they go, nothing will replace Fluffy. <laughs> 
That's right. And I said, well, no, nothing will replace Fluffy. But you could get, you know, you don't have to call the next one Fluffy too. But um, you know, get a, get another one. But they're quite often very reticent about. Yes, because I, I think they don't want the loss again. Um, I think it's partly that, and I think it's often a sense of loyalty to L- Fluffy. That if I get another dog, somehow it means that I didn't love Fluffy or I'm cheating on Fluffy, which is ridiculous. Um, look, I'm a great believer. As soon as you get the next one, you begin forgetting about the last one. Are you talking about your relationships now? <laughs> both. Both. No, seriously, both. Yeah, well, both. I just want to tell you now, Fluffy is very, very happy now and living in Tasmania. <laughs> no, look, I'm a great believer, you know, I mean, grieve for three to four months yeah. and then get another dog and particularly get a rescue dog. I'm a great believer in yeah. a rescue dog because you're not only getting a dog, you are saving a dog. Uh, and they're generally, very che- much they're generally cheaper yep. and you're doing a good thing by getting a dog. Now, not only is a dog great company, but a dog is a great way of developing friendships. That I mean, I've my latest friend, uh, this is an absolute true story. Uh, I have a dog. There's a local park near where I live. I walk my dog there every day. And, of course, the dogs sniff each other. And, you know, when the dogs are sniffing each other, it's not hard to start up a conversation with who's at the other end of the lead. Yeah. Um, And I met this absolutely delightful guy who's in his early 80s, vibrant, exciting guy, one of Australia's top artists. I'd never heard of him, but that doesn't mean anything. And he and I go and have a coffee together and have a chat, and he's an absolutely delightful guy. We made the connection through the dog. So having a dog is a great way of meeting people. And a rescue dog is wonderful because yes. you will never get a more grateful animal. Absolutely. They do. They get it. They oh, know. They know. They can sniff. Now, the fifth type of loneliness uh, uh, Reuben called no time for me loneliness. Now, this is, huh? once again, where you might be surrounded by a whole bunch of people who seem friendly enough, but they sort of... They, they sort of stay, they keep the relationship at a certain level. They don't kind of move from friendly to friends. And, you know, now why is that the case? It could be all sorts of reasons. It might be like your example where the person seems to be, you know, aloof and snotty and what and have you, and actually they're shy. And really, once again, this is about just reaching out to people and taking, taking the risk. You know, sometimes friendship involves a risk. And it's the risk of rejection, but I believe it's a it's a risk worth taking. The sixth type of loneliness that Ruben talked about is what she called untrustworthy friends loneliness. Now this is an interesting one because this is where you might have you might have friends and even family, but you doubt their motives. You're suspicious about them. Are they? Do they have an ulterior motive? Are they after something? And as a result, you kind of pull back from them. And now, once again, it's, there's no kind of easy solution. It may be that you're being a little bit paranoid. It may be that you're misreading the situation. Maybe you're misinterpreting. Maybe you need to raise your concerns with them. But, you know, this is a particular type. Then the final type of loneliness that she talked about, which is a really interesting one, which is what she called quiet presence loneliness. Now, what she meant by this is that you... You, you might have, once again, friends, you might have family, but you miss someone to just hang out with at home. And you know those friendships where you can be with somebody, but you don't even have to talk, which is why I think she called it quiet presence. You just kind of be there just to kind of hang out with, just to have somebody to close don't by. Don't have to try. You don't have to try. So, uh, you know, once again, if that's the situation, 
maybe what you do about it is maybe think about changing your circumstances. I mean, I think for a lot of older people, particularly living on their own, they should consider maybe try to get into some sort of communal housing situation. I mean, imagine okay. four people, for example, getting together and buying a block of, 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 of units and each of them live in a unit on their own so that they've got their own privacy, but they're still kind of... So it's like a, a, the idea of the old 60s idea of a commune. I was going to say... We come back to the hippie it's, ideas. It's a, it's a, a bit of a share house uh, well, situation. You know, we all did it when we are tw- in our yeah. 20s. Maybe it's not a bad idea to yeah. do in our seven, 60s, 70s and beyond. So I think the idea is... If we talk about loneliness, it's not just a one-size-fits-all. There are different types. And depending on which different type, maybe what you need to do to deal with it is different. If you love reading, there are book clubs. If you love um, social activities like playing cards, there's bridge clubs, etc. The Probus clubs are always looking for for new members. And, and, And so many other. Talk to your local council and because there's plenty of people there who can assist Absolutely. you into things that you're interested in but just don't sit at home yes but unfortunately john a lot of people do and in fact a very dear friend of mine uh, a woman in her mid-80s who was an extremely successful and popular media personality in her day lives alone in the country and i mean i try to visit her at least once a month but it's a, a long way to go um, and, you know, a lot of her friends have died. Uh, a lot of people have moved away and she spends most of her day uh, on her own. And she's a very strong person. She's got a lot of resilience. But I've, I, I talk to her sometimes. I try to get her to talk about how she feels. And she not so long ago admitted to me that, surprise, surprise, she is lonely. And I said to her, her name is Helen. I said, Helen, pick up the phone. You know, call me. You can call me at any time you want if you're feeling lonely. And we can talk for 10, 15, 20 minutes. And what she said to me is, oh, I don't want to be a burden. And also, I don't want people to feel that I'm lonely. I'm too proud. Mm. And I said, both of those are really bad reasons not to pick up the phone. Yeah. You know, don't reach out. Reach out is one of the most important things. You know, don't sit there and suffer alone. Reach out. So that's the final point I'd like to make. Peter Quarry, thank you so much for giving up your time and we do appreciate it. And I hope that uh, that's been some help to people if they're, if they're lonely or, in fact, if they have uh, parents or, or loved ones who, who you believe are lonely, there might be some clues there to, to help them getting out of their funk and Good. really just, you know, getting onto it. I hope so. PeterQuarry.com is a good place to uh, to meet with uh, Peter and see what a handsome young man he is. I'm not allowed to say <laughs> you're young a man. Ch- you're a charmer. PeterQuarry.com. And uh, you can also check out uh, Peter's uh, occasional contributions to the Australian Financial Review and also his book, If I Were You, and hopefully more books again in the future. PeterQuarry.com is the place. And thank you for being part of Australia's your life choices. We'll see you next time. We hope to empower, engage and inform you again.